0: Welcome to the third episode of the Tech Educator Podcast, hosted by Jeff Bradbury, Sam Patterson, Jeff Herb, and John Samuelson. The Tech Educator Podcast is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational technology. For more information, please visit our website at techeducatorpodcast.com tonight's show is hosted by yours truly Jeff herb and Jeff Bradbury as Sam and John are attending a conference in Oregon it is so wonderful to have you all here with us this evening Jeff how are you doing tonight
1: doing well today Jeff how's everything out in your neck of the woods
0: uh, it's going it's going very well out here in Chicago it's uh, starting to warm up a little bit which is better than it being negative. 10 degrees so i will take that any day it was
1: about 50 degrees here this weekend and uh, we still have snow in the ground from a little storm we had last week but other than that things are doing really well
0: yeah that was a pretty small storm right
1: it was pretty small but uh it got us almost on a half day last week so uh the kids were excited
0: well that's great good stuff well, we have some great stuff to talk about tonight. Um, why don't we talk real quick about ways to get involved with the Tech Educator podcast? Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Jeff? Sure.
1: First thing that you can do is follow us on Twitter at the hashtag TechEducator. And we have a brand new Twitter account that you can follow TechEdShow. So please follow us at TechEdShow and
0: join us on the hashtag TechEducator. Uh, You can also email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com. We'd love to hear any feedback you have about our show or any tips or suggestions for content that you want us to cover uh, during an episode. We'd love to hear about that as well. Uh, let's jump into a little bit about a uh, Little news about our podcast Jeff, why don't you start with the TeacherCast podcast
1: Well, we've had a couple good episodes come out This week, I had a great talk with Chalkable last week And uh, I had a lot of Good interaction with them this week, if you haven't listened To that show, please do Also talk to 19Pencils, which is An amazing educational search Engine, which is safe And provides great information for you And your students, it's a website that I Recently came across in the last last couple months and had the fortune to talk to them out there and if you've never tried 19pencils.com you have to i know it's very easy for us to tell our kids go to google and 19 pencils is based off the google framework but it actually how do i put it 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 strips all the dangerous stuff out there and just leaves your students with a safe place to do all of your searching and it even takes some of the weird stuff out of there and really gives you a concise searchable area for you
0: That's really cool. These are two uh, episodes that either... They went live this week, is that correct?
1: Uh, Yes, and I also... ...release an episode that I did with Schoology, which was a a really robust learning management system. I had the pleasure of meeting Schoology um, at ISTE last year, and I've already done one podcast with them. I think it was last fall, and uh, they returned to the show to talk about some of the neat updates that they've had. So if you're looking for a great learning management system, and not only just a learning management system, but a system that is desktop and mobile... Um, check out our podcasts on Schoology. That's podcast.teachercast.net slash Schoology, and also podcast.teachercast.net slash 19pencils.
0: Very cool. And Schoology just came out with a pretty big overhaul to their website, too, didn't they? They
1: certainly did, and that's what they came on the podcast to announce. It was really, really neat to have them make that announcement.
0: That's fantastic. Well, definitely check out the podcast on the TeacherCast podcast talking about Schoology and 19 pencils. Uh, New from Instructional Tech Talk, this week's, week's podcast focuses on using Evernote in education. I had a great discussion with Jordan Collier, who's a teacher from Arkansas, that is using Evernote with his classes very, very effectively. And he's put together a couple of resources for teachers to be able to teach using Evernote with students so that it's not just an expectation that students figure out Evernote. Uh, he has kind of like a boot camp session before school even starts and teaches them everything there is to know about Evernote so they hit the ground running when they come into his classroom. Um, he's a really great educator. The interview was fantastic. You should definitely check that out at instructionaltechtalk.com slash podcast. Jeff, are you an Evernote um, so, user? Oh, I love Evernote i am a avid evernote user um the best part about it for me is that i've been able to basically go paperless uh every piece of you know hard paper i get goes straight into my copy machine that gets scanned to my email address that gets dumped into evernote and the paper gets recycled and i keep a much more organized working environment because i'm able to keep everything in evernote and search for keywords, search for, I mean, the beauty is that with Evernote, as soon as you scan it into their system, everything is searchable. So if I'm looking for something really specific and I know that that word is mentioned somewhere in even you know a 200 page PDF document, I can type that word and it'll find that document instantly. And I don't have to figure out, oh my gosh, when was it that I found it? When did somebody email it to me? It's always searchable and always right there. So. Evernote's been a savior Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'd highly recommend it for anyone I
1: know for myself it's certainly something that I I, I need to get into I've heard a lot of people use it there's certainly some great Evernote uh, um, resources out there and uh, certainly would love to feature that on a future episode here of our podcast
0: yeah absolutely Yeah, we should definitely talk about that um, I'm going to kind of jump in and talk about Petuli real quick. The puppets in the classroom discussion from this past week was really a fun chat. Uh, there was a lot of great discussion talking about how you can use puppets effectively in your classroom. And the archive for that is posted on mypaperwithclassroom.org. And it's definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of great resources shared there as well. I just listened to the latest episode of Techlandia today, actually. Um, And John is all high and mighty about his Arnie Duncan fix and talking about that constantly throughout the show. So uh, it's pretty cool. Like you mentioned last week, he's thinking that some of Arnie Duncan's uh, people are listening to the Techlandia podcast because in a recent tweet by Arnie Duncan, he quoted something that was mentioned in John's show. So uh, definitely check out the Techlandia podcast as well. For now, our show will be hosted at the TeacherCast Podcasting Network website. Please use our domain, which currently forwards to the TeacherCast website, so that when our show moves to its more permanent home, your access to our content and our podcast will not be interrupted. The link to that show is techeducatorpodcast.com. Let's get into our discussion segment Jeff, you posted a very interesting link that I would love to hear more about. Uh, Why don't you take it away?
1: Well, there was an article the other day in USA Today, and I talked a little bit about it on the Jersey Educator podcast because it kind of hit home to us. And the article link is Pennsylvania grad student sues their university over a C-plus grade, and they're suing the teacher in the university for one3 million dollars. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I want to read a little bit of this article to you here, Jeff, and, and just kind of get some feedback, because I got a lot of good feedback on the Jersey educator side. It says here, graduate student, and it gives her name, wasn't happy about the C plus grade that she received for one of her classes, saying that the mediocre grade kept her from getting her desired degree and becoming a licensed therapist. And as a result, it cost her $1.3 million in lost earnings. So she's suing her professor and Lehigh University, claiming monetary damages and seeking a grade change.
0: Well, I don't even know where to begin commenting on
1: Now, this brings up a lot of issues. Number one, okay, Mm -hmm. I can certainly understand her point of view. And I can Mm -hmm. certainly understand the difference between a C plus and a B minus. And, you know, I'm not a college professor, but as a high school student and a high school teacher, um, I have had uh, students come up to me and say, why did you give me this grade? I I teach something that's very subjective, an orchestra. How can you tell the difference between uh, an A plus grade and a B plus grade? Sure. Especially when you have a situation where a kid can be completely gifted on an instrument and slacking off, but another kid is trying her really hardest and just doesn't have the same talent, but you still have to come up with a system to give everybody an equal
0: an equal grade. Right, that whole idea of subjectivity comes into that whole grading scale, and when it's a life altering change, you know, it's really something that you're right needs to be thought about. What gets me going a little bit is that. You know she's concerned that her grade of C plus is that what it was?
1: It was a C plus, and the quote here C from the, from the professor says, "I believe she received the grade that she earned."
0: Right, and so if she's going in to be some sort of you know clinical specialist, I would prefer to take the professor's you know professionalism and expertise in this and say that if she's not at a level that she should be practicing. Maybe that's something that, you know, is left best to the professor that is no you know, knows how to evaluate things like this. I mean, I would hate to be, you know, adjusting grades in order to say, okay, you can get this degree and have the person not actually be qualified to do it. Um, you know, that kinda worries me a little bit. Certainly
1: does. And you know, I There are a lot of people that aren't on the four-year track. There are some people that are on the Mm five-year track for various reasons. I know as a music major, we had a specific uh, skills assessment test that if we didn't pass that test, we were not allowed to student teach. And if we weren't allowed to student teach, there were some people that were actually on the four-and-a-half or five-year course because they didn't possess those skills to go into the classroom. Now, this is similar but different, but it does start to bring up a lot of red flags.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the implications for this whole idea, it scares me too. Because if we start getting into the idea that this is something that can have legal recourse, I mean, that's just opening a whole nother can of worms with the idea that, okay, I didn't like the grade I get. Now I can sue in order to claim damages. I mean, is, it gonna, is this going to be something that trickles down into K-12? Because... You know, I got a C instead of a B, and that's what my college that I'm trying to apply for is looking at. And I didn't get into this college, which means I didn't get this degree, and now I'm not going to be as successful in life, and that's going to cost me $40 million.
1: Well, I, I'm sure it has happened in the K-12 to right. grade. Some some poor kindergartner probably failed, you know, nap time or something like that. Now, <laughs> now you're an administrator. What would you do if this came across your desk? Now, I, I don't think... 1.3 million dollars you'd ever see out of a to K-12 student, but you could definitely right. see maybe not passing. And I know even in our high school, we've had situations where we've denied people graduation because they didn't fulfill their need for um, attendance. I know we're very strict sure. on that. So as an administrator, what would you do?
0: That's really, it's a good question. And I fully support teachers decisions i mean as an administrator you do not have the power to change a grade only teachers can change a grade the grade book is like the sacred grail and you know the teacher that gives the grade has the right to give the grade and we can't change it and that's the way i think it should be i think if you get in the idea that someone has supreme power over a person's grade book to be able to change whatever they want when a situation arises you know it's going to become this huge mishmash of things where you know someone complains and something gets done about it and it not that's not always the case it shouldn't happen like that and so you know if this were to come across my desk i mean definitely we'd look into the situation but you know i'd give the power to the teacher and say hey if you feel like this is something that this person did not master i'd be happy to let them take the class over again and if they're able to improve their score then hey now you can have your degree but as it stands right now, you have not demonstrated the mastery in order to get the grade that, you know, signifies the degree that you're looking at. So, you know, i back the teacher. I think that, you know, they know best in their classroom and they've seen the students work and how they've improved from you know the beginning of the semester to the end. And who am I to say that that's not the case? So, well, I,
1: I, I, I certainly hope that anybody out there listening would, would um, you know, send us an email. You can certainly email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com or certainly send us a tweet at tech ed Show. and uh, I don't know, I'm anxious to see what other people have to say about this, like I said I've got a lot of good feedback on the, te- on the Jersey Educator Show and we're certainly going to be talking about it on TeacherCast so please, if you're out there listening what would you do, especially if you're an administrator what would you do, how would you
0: handle this? Yeah, I mean, definitely send us a tweet even with a hashtag right now, Tech Educator. We'd love to be able to get your conversation going on the show right now. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, let's move on to the next section. We can jump back if we get any comments from people on Twitter. But, um, <coughs> excuse me, I just wanted to bring up there's an article about Epson and them discussing uh, some of their latest educational innovations at the RINA IEFE conference. Um, I always love Epson. I mean, sometimes they get a bad rap, but they're doing a lot of cool stuff and they're really trying to work with the people that are in education to put out some really cool products. And, you know, past five years, smart boards have been the huge push and people are like, got to get a smart board. Every classroom, everyone needs a smart board. Well, Epson's kind of doing a step further by saying that this new projector that they've released, you can use. Pens and whatever the you know specific Epson pens, but you don't need the board anymore. Any surface that you project onto using this new projector will become an interactive whiteboard. And um, you know it's something that they've kind of toyed with. They've released some products that do some similar things, but um, this is by far the most advanced projector that they're going to be releasing at the I E F E show. And I'm really excited to hear about it because. You know, being able to project an interactive surface on basically any wall um, has a lot of great and exciting things in you know that we can use in education um, and they're significantly less expensive I mean smart boards are running you know, three thousand dollars and if this projector is able to do it for a grand I mean hey that's pretty great too so uh, definitely something i'm looking forward to hearing about and we'll probably talk about it again after that show is over once we get the full disclosure about what epson will be releasing um but what they have in the pipe and what people are kind of rumoring about sounds pretty awesome so are you, definitely are you a smart board user in your class in your school uh, our building has about 70 smart boards okay. and um i've used smart boards plenty of times in my classes And I love it. I mean, it's a fantastic technology, don't get me wrong. I think it's really great. Smart notebook, people seem to love and have really kind of dropped PowerPoint for smart notebook. Um, And I have nothing but great things to say about smart Board. but the cost of them is kind of prohibitive. And I think people are doing a lot of cool things with Apple TVs, and they're doing cool things with just your computer and the app reflection. And they're doing really cool stuff um, with these new projectors that are making it a lot easier for people to implement interactivity without having to have it in the middle of the classroom all the time, taking up you know whiteboard space or um, you know being three thousand dollars. So I'm excited to hear what some of these new innovations are that kind of get that prohibitive technology, you know, or not get it out of the way, but build upon what's been created and continue to innovate. So it should be pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What's next on our agenda here, Jeff? I think we're talking the iWatch. iWatch. What do you think about the iWatch? Have you heard much
1: about it? I haven't heard much about it, but I'm certainly glad. Um, let's see here. For those of you who are watching visually, I have one of these, which is oh, the cool. Apple Nano. and. Yeah. I was. It's the model that's two years old, and I love it that it has a little watch extension to it, and I love that you can put it on your arm, and basically when I get in my car, I plug myself into my stereo and has all my podcasts and my audio books and all my MP3s, and, and I think it's wonderful. And yeah. I was really upset this year um, when they did their announcement for the new iPods And the Nano Mm -hmm. is actually larger. It's a large rectangle and they want you to buy the accessory to pop it on your arm. And, you know, I I was looking at this thing and and I said this a couple times, even on recordings, where I was hoping that this year's Nano was going to basically be the same square device, but either have iTunes match capabilities or Bluetooth or something where you can put all. I mean, I I know for myself, I, I subscribe to iTunes match and I've got about 27,000 songs on it or so, I would love oh to have God. all of the... Oh, well, music teacher. I would, that's, that's right. I would love to ha- Yeah, I've got every version of Beethoven 5. But I, I would love to have something on my arm that syncs to my Wi-Fi that I can get all of my devices and all of my songs on here. And And... Sure. Um, Maybe that's what we're going to be getting. Now, of course, you know, let the rumor mill start. But I do love the idea that as an educator, I can now carry my lesson plans on my arm. I mean, isn't that where we're all going here? We're now educator 24-7. Any student can email us. Well, why can't anybody shoot us a a, a picture or something and have it be on our arm? I love it. I love the idea. I love the concept. I've been really trying not to read a lot about it because I don't want to be let down. Right. Um, but, uh-huh. but I certainly am looking forward to to having it there, and so yeah, yeah. I'm so excited.
0: Um, I think you know I immediately thought of the screen looks really cool. I mean, the, all the mock ups of it are obviously totally speculative, and you can't really rely on much of anything. But um, the screen, it's one of those you know warped angled screens which looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are saying it's going to look a lot like an iOS device in terms of functionality and the operating system that's on it. And I immediately thought of my to-do app and being able to constantly have my to-do list on my arm and being so much more efficient. I was so excited, even though that's probably like the lamest use for the device. Um, but in some of the mockups, they show using apps, or not apps, maps on the watch itself having a built-in camera i mean i see just so many really cool uses for not only you know educators but students and i
1: heard that it actually can tell time really yes yes that is phenomenal amazingly (laughs) so (laughs) i heard that it actually can tell you the time in both listen in both 12 hour and 24 hour
0: Whoa! At a touch of a button or on request? Oh, if it has Siri, well, then. Uh, no, no, so- no, you
1: have to download the app
0: to make it tell. You have to get the. The clock app? Yes. yes. Good point. Very good point. Um, but I immediately started thinking about if students start getting these devices, which you know they will, uh, what kind of implications do you see with students basically having a computer that's strapped to their wrist? Not that they don't have a phone that's constantly in their pocket, but. The accessibility is significantly more discreet when they have a camera, a screen, and something that probably has wireless connectivity on their arm ready to use at any time. I
1: just think it means that instead of doing, like, marketing 101, we're going to be doing marketing 007.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. Right, it's so true, but, you know, it's something that really needs to be thought about, especially with policies in relation to wireless devices. I know a lot of schools have pretty stringent policies in place. If you start having these kind of devices where kids are wearing them as an accessory... But, that, uh, but that's where we're you're, going. You're have, oh, I know, and that's fine. I'm just saying you're going to have to really give your your policies a kick in the butt because not only are they currently out of date, but they will be even more out of date when people start wearing the technology that makes them out of date. So. And that's
1: why I always say we need more administrators in a school district. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, good stuff. I had a, another article on here. If you have any news or any you know suggestions about how the iWatch will be beneficial in education, we'd love to hear about those, too. You can tweet at us at Tech Educator um, or at the hashtag Tech Educator or the... Twitter account at tech and show
1: and if you're watching this right now the hashtag is right above Jeff's head is it yes it is
0: (laughs) I'm watching the Google hangout because the other feeds a little delayed and it's going to totally warp my brain if I try and watch both Um, there was another article that I had found um, that I had to just talk about briefly, not necessarily because of the content of the article, but I just think it's kind of funny. The headline is, Texas CEO asks Congress to encourage tech innovation, math and science education. And the CEO that's being discussed is the Texas Instruments CEO, Richard Templeton, who approached Congress to talk about You know, pioneering new innovation for math and science classes with technology, and you know, he's pushing for this obviously, Jeff, because he runs the largest company that provides calculators, graphing calculators, to basically the world. (laughs) So, you know, he's obviously in the right, right front of mind. We do need to push science. We need do need to push math and new technology innovation, Um, but I just kind of on the source to be a little bit funny in the push, because you know that he's obviously also trying to innovate his own products and get them into the hands of a bunch of students. I
1: have another article here. It uh, was coming up on Mac Daily News. Uh, Let me see if it's pulling up here. Illinois School District to give up to 7,000 iPads to their students. Whoa! Have you seen this one yet? No. (laughs) It, It says here, between... 6,000 and 7,000 uh, high school district 211 students will get their own fourth generation Apple iPad to use in the next school year, paid for by the district at a cost between one and a quarter and one and a half million dollars for a three year lease.
0: Jeff, high school district 211 is our neighboring school district. I can't believe I have not heard about this. That's crazy. I can see them doing it, though they have a pretty good uh, financial backing. But what do you think about putting an iPad in every kid's hands? Why
1: haven't we done it yet? Right, I know. I think we should put. I think we should strap the iPad to everybody's to everybody's wrist.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and I gotta I gotta say this because I think about it every time I talk about a one to one implementation. Make sure that if you're doing it, you're doing it not to just give every kid an iPad. Because doing that is not effective. Make sure you're doing it to help supplement what you're teaching in your classroom. Make it so that it's a tool for learning, not just a replacement for learning. Because I see a lot of districts that are doing this, they say, well, the way of the future is giving out iPads. So they get you know, 300 iPads, give it to six different classes, and they have no idea what's going on. And they kind of lose sight of the goal, which is obviously still teaching the kids, but they haven't put enough forethought into it, saying, this is how we need to do it, this is what our outcomes are, we're going to use the iPads for this, we're going to help uh, generate new ideas for our lessons and for our curriculum, and it kind of gets pushed by the wayside. So that's my little soapbox rant about making sure that when you do implement a one-to-one program, whether it be iPads or Google, um, one of those Chromebooks or whatever, make sure you just put in the time to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. I think There are a million and a half reasons to do it, but just make sure that your reasons coincide with the ones that are the good reasons. Well,
1: well, apparently there are between one and a quarter and 1.5 million reasons to do it here. It says (laughs) District 211 officials are considering expanding the program to include every student by 2014-15 school year. That trend seems to be growing among the more affluent school districts. Um, They're also considering distributing iPads to Every student by 2015. Uh, Incoming freshmen could get one by 2013-14. And uh, it says, Meanwhile, the elementary district, uh, District 93, plans to have its 4,000 students using personal iPad or MacBooks, MacBook Airs, by 2015. And so that brings up a lot of debate here of, you know, it's the old debate, really it's the new old debate, laptop or iMac and that kinda also right. then transitions us into the next thing, which is Apple just cut its MacBook Pro line by two hundred dollars. And so you can now go in and get a retina display for not not that much money, a sixteen hundred bucks or fourteen I think it's fourteen and sixteen is what they're now running. But it's not bad for a powerful what? computer. And you know, the airs are only nine hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks, something like that.
0: Yeah, at the base level I think is it's eight ninety nine, I believe.
1: And so, where are you? Have you have you faced this question as an edge as an administrator? iPads versus Airs, or are, are, have you talked about it at all?
0: You know, it's not a conversation that we have jumped into fully yet, um, and I think the reason behind that is that we are still, you know, I'm not calling it a pilot anymore because we're out of our first year of doing it. Um, but we have, you know, several classes that are running one-to-one with iPads, and before we make any decisions, I really want to see how this progresses, what the teachers are able to do with these iPads in their classes, what the students are able to do with the iPads, and making sure that we have chosen the right device based on how um, kind of trends go with textbooks and distribution, how those turn into eBooks and how teachers are able to generate their own content for their classes. And I'm not saying it's not a conversation that we're having because we are obviously talking about it. Something that has to be talked about in order to make an effective technology plan. But I'm not really sure what that looks like for our district yet. And before we jump in and say, oh, well, by 2015, we wanna have you know, 4,000 Google Chromebooks, and we want to have 2,000 iPads, and then 60 MacBook Pros for people to make their own content, I want to make sure that by 2015, those will be relevant devices. And I think we're still on the cusp of all of this transpiring. And until we kind of see how things kind of shake out a little bit, uh, I think we're pretty happy with the iPads that we have and making sure that we're making the most out of them before we kind of transgress into that next level of, all right, we're ready to get everyone something, what will that be?
1: And where do you think we're going? Do you think we should stay with laptops, or do you think we should go with some kind of tablet devices? I mean, Apple you know, just came out with their 128-gig device, which right. I can't see any school district spending 900 and some dollars on an iPad. At right. that point, I'd rather say get a, go get an Air.
0: Right. But, well, I mean, and you have the Surface Pro that came out, too. And that seems like a pretty powerful machine. Granted, I have not used the Pro yet, um, but in large districts that are running Microsoft server, Windows environment, that's a pretty alluring thing too because you jump on a network and you can log in, you can access all your files that are on network servers, and it's kind of plug and play at that point. Um, And I just really think about how... You know, how we take these different devices and use them in classrooms. And I'm not prepared to say that we're going to get iPads. I'm saying let's make sure that the classrooms dictate what they need in their classroom and we'll make the decision based off of that. Um, desktop publishing, going to be difficult on an iPad. That may be more suited for a Chromebook. Who knows?
1: What if you just gave every teacher $25,000 in hard cash
0: and a Best Buy card? With any, st- okay, on you know, the best bring back your itemized receipt. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then go for it. I mean, I'm all for what works best in the classroom. And I think that's the way it really needs to be because I'm going to say that iPads do not work for every level of our classes. They're just, it doesn't. And so you need to be able to find what does work in all the different classrooms and make sure that you're able to accommodate that as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's talk about apps, now that we've talked about hardware. Do you have any uh, good apps this
0: week that you want to talk about? Uh, It's actually kind of funny. After we lambasted John for the Vine app and all the, you know, smut that's been peddled through it, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I actually used the Vine app over the course of the week. We had a huge college fair. We had 88 different colleges represented in our building from across the country that were uh, there to, you know, be a reference to students that were looking for more information about college. And I had a great time using the Vine app to walk around and kind of just capture a couple seconds, uh, snapshots of what was going on at some of those tables. So we have about 10 different Vine apps of, you know, three second bursts of kids talking to college recruiters and getting information. And it was perfect. It was exactly what we needed to kind of make a quick compilation video um, of what was going on during that time. So. That was really cool, and I you know, sheepishly thank John for <laughs> recommending that app after we gave him so much of a hard time last week. Um, the other app I want to talk about is Text Grabber, and this one's really cool because it does exactly what it states. You take a picture of a bunch of text, and it turns it into editable text on your iPhone or your iPad, and I've used this a thousand times, either being something that's posted that I needed, um, some information about to be able to copy and paste to send someone, or a document that I had that I want to convert over to something that I could batch into an email or something. All you got to do is use the app, take a picture of what you want to convert to text, and it will uh, change it over into editable text inside the app, which is really cool. What about you as far as apps?
1: Well, I uh, was going to show
0: off a great app that I've been
1: using both on the desktop and on the mobile devices, which is called Text Expander.
0: Have you heard of Text Expander? I have heard of Text Expander. I've used it a couple of times. Um, it's pretty awesome. Let me explain what it does. Text Expander
1: basically helps you do the same task over and over again. So, for instance, let's say that you, as an educator, were giving out um, you know an email to the parent, but you wanted to personalize it. Well, you could do a mail merge, or you could simply write it once. Add it into Text Expander with some blanks for, you know, dear Mr. and Mrs. So and so and what the child's name is. And by using snippets, you can simply um, duplicate the text. Or, for instance, um, I have a form letter that I send out for all of my podcast guests that explains what information I need. I need their bio, their photo, their etc., etc. Well, I just open an email and go, Uh, podcast prep, I think is what I have it called, and it automatically Mm -hmm. pops up. It says, Dear Blank, thank you for talking to me on the phone today. Here's what I need for my podcast. And it pops out an entire email with my footer, with my picture, with the whole deal, and that is an easy way to have people know... um, what you're doing. It saves you a lot of time. It saves me a lot of time. And if you're sitting here watching the video feed here, by the way, we're always going to be videotaping these live at teachercast.net slash live. And, um, I'm showing the screenshots here for the iPhone and for the iPad, but the desktop version is, is easy and amazing. And because of Dropbox support, it actually can save your snippets. um, throughout all your devices so i would certainly recommend uh trying out text expander it is five dollars for the um for the mobile version and i don't remember what exactly it is for the desktop version so it's not a free app but if you're in there and you want to save yourself some time i strongly recommend uh going for text expander
0: awesome definitely something we'll check out um before we wrap up the show today i wanted to reach out to lucas jones who actually found us on twitter asked us a question um really interesting question he said how hard would it be to write a script to remove vowels in a paragraph and later parts of the word to help with memorization hard would be my short answer. Um, it, but there is a way that I thought about that it kind of would work. It's
1: getting it to remember if Y is a vowel and when it's a vowel. Yeah,
0: right. That's the hard when part. A Absolutely. Um, a quick way around it to at least do the vowel part of it. I don't... Off the top of my head, I can't think of a great way to do second halves of words. Um, but you can easily remove vowels from like a paragraph in Word by doing a simple find and replace. If you find A-E-I-O-U and you replace it with blank, it will take out all the vowels in your paragraph and you're left with just the consonants. So that's a quick way to take out vowels. Uh, just do a simple find and replace and it should take care of it. If I find a way to go about taking out the second halves of the word, uh, I'll definitely tweet at you and let you know. But thank you so much for your question. And if any of you have questions for us or would like anything discussed on the show, Please feel free to find us on Twitter at TechEdShow, or you can tweet to the hashtag TechEducator. What do you got, Jeff, to close out the show? Anything left to talk about?
1: Oh, it's going to be a great week. Um, By the way, for anybody who's in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York area, um, the... Spots have just been opened up for presenting at Edscape. Edscape is a fantastic conference that happens in October. I think it's October 19th this year. That's run by New Milford Principal Eric Scheniger. And uh, Edscape is a fantastic uh, time. I'm going to be putting in my proposal for that and uh, certainly going to be broadcasting. I'm going to be looking forward in the next couple weeks to doing some great broadcasting with the brand new TeacherCast booth. Um, this week, I've got the New Jersey Music Educators Convention. Uh, following week, I've got, let's see, March 2nd is WeTech, the West Essex Technology Conference. And the following week after that is the New Jersey Educators, the NJEA Tech Conference. So it's going to be a busy month here, but uh, check us out. It's teachercast.net forward slash roadshow. You can see all about uh, how I take out our broadcasting booth and how Teachercast can provide some live entertainment at your event to basically turn yourself into a global media empire and a great conference. So check it out teachercast.net forward slash roadshow.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, the broadcasting booth that you put together is really cool. I got to see some pictures of it. So if you're at any of the uh, events where Jeff is at with his podcasting booth, um, please check it out because it's really a cool thing to see. Um, I will also be at the Connections Conference and the ICE Conference in Illinois in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the ICE Conference is the week of... February 28th, um, I will be there the 28th and the 1st, and I will be at the Connections Conference on March 14th and 15th. So if you are interested in talking with me, we'll probably be doing a couple of uh, recording segments for my show, Instructional Tech Talk. Uh, definitely tweet at me at INSD Tech Talk, and uh, we can arrange a time to get together and talk. I'd love to uh, hang out, meet, and talk a little bit during the conference. So that's what's going on with me in the next few weeks. And until then... Anything else, Jeff? Certainly reach out to me at
1: TeacherCast.net. We are always looking for guests on the TeacherCast Roundtable podcast. Um, Have a few shows that we're planning on, on tutoring and math people and science people. So if you're interested in coming on a Roundtable show, please let me know. And, of course, reach out on Twitter at TeacherCast.
0: Fantastic. Yes, once again, Jeff Bradbury, TeacherCast.net, Twitter at TeacherCast. My name is Jeff Herb. You can find me at InstructionalTechTalk.com or on Twitter at INST Tech Talk. Sam and John will be back next week. And we will be recording this live every Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find us at teachercast.net slash live. And you can also find us on Twitter at Tech Educator is our hashtag. And Tech Ed Show is our Twitter handle. If you want to get our most recent releases, you can find us at techeducatorpodcast.com. We look forward to talking with you next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.